Hello and welcome to the Future Tribe podcast. Each week we'll be talking about getting things done. We'll talk to people who've built up their businesses, pulled off amazing projects and cover everything from psychology and strategy to the tips and tricks that will help make your dream a reality. We're the podcast that's all about empowering the optimists and the go-getters. I'm your host, Jermaine Muller. You're listening to the Future Tribe podcast and this episode is just getting started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Future Tribe podcast. Today, um, we're joined with by Cindy Mitchell from the Millhouse Ventures Limited. Um, how are you today, Cindy? I'm well, thank you very much. Fantastic. Um, so, tell me, tell me a bit about what you what you do. What is the Millhouse Ventures? What What do you guys do? The Millhouse is um, Canberra Region's only dedicated social venture intermediary that um, what we do is we work with individuals who have a passion so they want to solve a social cultural economic or environmental problem but they don't want to necessarily use the traditional ways of doing that which is charity and donations they're actually interested in experimenting with business models to do that and there's a particular asset class that we use it's called social enterprise um, and what we do at the Millhouse is we promote and we advocate for the use of this particular business model. And this mm-hmm. is about um, having at least half of your income coming from trade. So, that, so that's basically out there selling a product or service so that you can have measurable, definable um, change in the area that you want to change. So it's really combining sort of, I'll always say, the, the heart of a charity and the mind of a capitalist. Uh huh. Okay. So it's, it's sort of a self-sustaining charity almost. Is that sort of. Yeah, so there, there's, there's typically a purpose involved. It's not always charitable in the sense of, you know, it's not, not necessarily fulfilling a defined social welfare benefit. Um, it could be um, doing something preventative. It could be about working with, with, um, with people before they're actually in crisis. Mm-hmm. And that's often an area where you know people who are doing social inter, inter, um, enterprise and interventions they're actually trying to avoid that so wind back a little bit the traditional model of helping people is okay you're hungry here's some food you need a house here's a place to live and that's all good we will always need charity that's really important but um, social innovators they're often trying to look at really systemic reasons for why things are happening and they're trying to use business as a way to to be able to support that because often all the money and government support is in that sort of, you know, charity inter- right. that we're, we're not really supporting vulnerable people. Mm. Um, so we, we can you typically at Millhouse, the first sort of session or meeting with me, I'll, I'll draw on the, on the whiteboard or wherever I am, a bit of a spectrum where there's what we call charity on one end and fortune 500 for-profit company on the other end. Mm. And then social enterprise occupies that space in the middle. Um, and there's some social enterprises that look more like charities and they're ones that look more like businesses and the right. Millhouse, its members are the, the University of Canberra and Service One, who are a cooperative bank, as well as the Canberra Innovation Network. We're really particularly interested in the ones that look more like businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we and, but the people who are attracted to doing this sort of work, Jermaine, often they're not, they're not business people. So a typical sort of Millhouse cohort, you might have people from anywhere from uni students all the way up to retirees right. um, who are coming back to their second or third career and people who are having a go at saying, look, there's something that I've always seen that I want to, you know, where it's um, uh, 
uh, it could be something around uh, working with youth, so youth or indigenous um, advancement, or mm -hmm. a particular cha challenge around women and gender or domestic violence. And you're like, I want to do something about that. Nothing that I can see happening in you know in terms of the charity sector or the or the for-purpose sector is, is doing something there. How can I use business to to sustain my particular intervention? Interest, in right. Charity? So, so that's, I mean, so that's basically the definition of a social enterprise or I've, I've heard social enterprise def, uh, called a for purpose business in the past as well. Is that, is that a pretty good So look, I'm putting on just really quickly, putting on my academic hat, um, <laughs> you know, these words are often interchangeable and a lot of what I have to do is really talk to people and try to understand what they need out of this. Right. Mm -hmm. So yes, mm -hmm. social enterprise is one, is one sort of definition also talk to talk about four purpose ventures mm -hmm. um, when, I'm, when I'm in academic mode I also talk about hybrid ventures that's another way we talk about them um, but you know what my mission and vision and dream you know aspiration is that one day we just talk about business um, yeah. because we, we will have so fundamentally changed the nature of capitalism that people will go okay well I'm never in this just for profit yes. I'm always trying to create some sort of tangible community public benefit in my business. And I think that's, that's what this movement is really trying to, you know, that's, that's the, that big, hairy, audacious goal at the mm -hmm. end of this yellow brick road that we're on as social entre entrepreneurs or, or social for purpose entrepreneurs is we would like to transform from within. And the great thing is it's happening, Jermaine. Like that's what that's excites awesome. me when I, when I see, you know, Fortune 500 CEOs talking about, well, actually, yeah. mm -hmm. we care about this just as much as in like, yes, it's corporate social responsibility. And on one hand, sometimes you can roll your eyes and be like, oh, that's just, <laughs> but hey, if it matters. It's changing the nature of it. At the end of the day, if, you know, if one, one could argue, I mean, I would argue that ultimately, you know, okay, I do roll my eyes every time I hear about, you know, a big consulting firm, you know, giving the day for their employees to go do something good or go do something sort of charitable and helpful. But ultimately, you've sort of got to look at it and go, is it, is it that bad at the end of the day? If, if that is happening, um, at the end of the day, the motivation behind it is almost a separate issue because that is still change that we're seeing and we're noticing and it's something positive, um, that that goes back to the shareholders in some way shape or form it might not be financial but it is still a positive thing as you've mentioned that there's change well, happening i mean given given the traditional what we know about capitalism right like mm. you and i are both brown people what has capitalism done to our people <laughs> yeah <laughs> what, what yeah. is it done to you know what is it done to you know the environment you know mm. what is it done like has it the, the pure pursuit of capitalism um, of profit has failed us as a human race, mm. you know? So like, you know, it, it, it just makes sense that we're now at an epoch of human history where people are going, okay, we got to do something different here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah. you know, so we, you know, I think they're, they're in certainly, you know, in, in when, when I'm just with other people who, who do this work, yeah, we, we sometimes kind of like roll our eyes too. We're like, look, whatever it takes to drink the Kool-Aid, you know? Exactly. Like, the thing for us uh, where the tension sometimes come is where they're like, yep, yeah, we're a social enterprise too. We're like, uh, hang on a second. There's something else here because what we also commit to and not to be like, okay, we're better, but what it's different in the sense of because we exist for a purpose, 
when, when the purpose, when there's a tension, which there always inevitably is mm-hmm. between, ten, mm-hmm. between purpose and profit, we will always put purpose first. Right. So, you know, that's hard for ExxonMobil or for yes. PwC, like, or, you know, yeah. like they can, they can say all the right things, but at the end of the day, they have a fiduciary responsibility to their shareholders. That's it. I mean, the shareholders are there to, to make dividends, to make money. They're not, they're not necessarily there for, um, for PwC or ExxonMobil to go out there and do good things. They, they'd probably argue saying, ultimately, if there's no financial benefit out of this, just keep us out of it. You know, we'll donate off the dividends, but it's, and, and it's, I mean, we're getting into the weeds and I'll, I'll probably take us, take us back from there because that's okay. Um, I mean, so going back to sort of with now that we know what um, the Millhouse Ventures does, um, let's go back to how, how it all began. Um, where, where did you sort of start this? Have you always wanted to do this sort of thing? I mean, how long has the Millhouse Ventures been, been in existence for? So the Millhouse Ventures is, um, I guess we're going into our fourth year um, mm-hmm. next year. So 2020 will be going in our fourth year. But the history is a bit longer for me personally. So sorry, there's no direct answer to any of your questions. That's okay. Here. That's fine. Um, That's good. But yeah, because it's a journey, right? So you asked me, you know, did I, how, how, you know. Well, have you always wanted to do this? Yeah, no, absolutely not. So my background is sales. I'm a salesperson. That's how I came out. My first job was um, was in business development. That's what I love. I love dealing with customers. I love the nitty gritty of, of that. I came mm-hmm. to Australia, so and I came to Australia to take on a sales manager job. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from that sales manager work, I found myself as an investment manager in a venture capital house, um, a small one, and I really loved. I, you know, I love business. I come from a small business family. That's my thing for, you know, for profit business. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, but just as I started, you know, became an Australian citizen after I've been here for, you know, requisite amount of time, whatever it was. Um, and then I started to just sort of notice something about the people who were coming to me as a business advisor and people who were seeking investment. Um, and to put a so point on it, So was this in Canberra? Or was it in Canberra? Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. in Canberra. Um, to put a point on it, they were all white men, mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. I thought, well, this sucks. <laughs> um, you know, like that. You know, in the sense of, well, you know, that this this is not the only place that innovation happens. And the the organization that I worked for at the time, um, it's still around. It's called Lighthouse Innovation Center, mm-hmm. and they still have um, a microcredit program for women on low incomes. And I always tell this story. That was that was the start of it for me, in the sense of because what we would do is we would um, invest a small, a very small amount of money in female founders. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, they had between three and six months to repay a very small loan to us. And what they could do with such a small amount of money and support in such a short amount of time just transformed my understanding of business and impact. Um, and uh, then one day I had a, a man come to, to see us about that loan program. And he was particularly interested in working with women from his, his, his migrant community. So he had come to Australia as a refugee from Myanmar and he is an elder, a, a leader in that, in that community. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wanted uh, our help to set up um, basically a, a manufacturing business, a sewing business for those women. And, 
you know, I just thought it was a horrible idea. <laughs> like, I didn't, you know, I didn't think that, that the stuff he showed me was particularly, you know, marketable and, you know, still wearing my venture capital hat, but it kept, I kept thinking about it, Jermaine. I kept thinking somebody ought to do this, like yes. somebody ought to help. Because what we know about economic inclusion, if you have a group of people um, who are socially isolated, um, economic inclusion is a, is a great pathway for social inclusion. Mm -hmm. So if you look at this sort of migrant community, you know, they're struggling to get work. The only work that's available to them is cleaning. Well, if you go clean up somebody's office, people who come clean your office, they probably do it late at night when you're not there. Yes. So they don't even get benefit. You know, they might make money, but they don't. But there's, there's no, no social benefit, really. Social benefit. So long story short, I end up um, starting a not-for-profit social enterprise called No Sweat Fashions. Um, mm -hmm. And what we were doing was it was uh, a work integration social enterprise. And um, so that was around 2011. Um, we did that. It was a fantastic, the camera community came on board. We, we so how, did you, how did you do that? So you raised money. Did you, did you go into it full time or how did no, I, I had a full-time job the uh -huh. whole four years of running those sweat fashions. It right. was it was the hardest four years of my life. I call it my PhD in social <laughs> entrepreneurship. Um, and at the time when we started, I couldn't even sew. Like, this is not my area. Like, right. Not a <laughs> yeah. So you really had to upskill yourself. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't, you know, that was never the intention. That's not where I could add value. I yes. was an entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, and I was working with people who had the skills. Mm -hmm. um, and I, and I built a team and built a board and um but to get to to get to where i am now i need to move, need to move the story story forward which is after four years we needed to wind it up and the main reason was that i was no longer in a position that i could manage this what sessions and a job mm -hmm. um and i felt horrible i felt like um I it was a time in canberra where every conversation had to start with what is this thing? What is social enterprise? There was so little understanding. I was the only one doing this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, very isolating. It was really lonely. Um, and then I felt like a failure because it, it, it had to, well, had to wind it up. up. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just kept, I, and I went and I took a, a job in the public service and I just sort of, you know, I became Canberra public service zombie person. <laughs> so one day I got a call. So in 2016, I got a call from, from a friend of mine who had taken a role here at the University of Canberra. And he says, uh, yeah, there's this bank who wants to give us money for social enterprise. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? <laughs> and I was like, I think I dropped the phone. I'm like screaming, you know, here I am in the Department of Immigration, like, ah, <laughs> um, So yeah, and so basically after having a conversation, um, uh, you know, I put it back to him. I said, I think you need somebody to write a business plan for you. Um, mm -hmm. Can I do it? And that was really the start of, you know, so, so here I am, a person who had been a social entrepreneur, who knew what the environment was like, knew how incredibly lonely it could be to, mm -hmm. to try to do this way of trading. Um, and I just, I basically committed from that day forward that I was going to build a community where people who wanted to do this work could be supported. Um, they were, they were, you know, taken seriously. Um, and they could be respected. And that was really the genesis of, of the Millhouse. And I'm just so incredibly fortunate that I've been able to um, have around me people who shared this vision. Yeah. Um, and so I've learned from the experience that I went through with No Sweat Fashions. And I have the most wonderful board um, anyone could ask for. That's like, that's like the trick to my... <laughs> so put, putting a date on this, so now we're in 2015. You've, Wait, 2016 you've, now? 2016. That was, the, that was the business plan. 
Mm-hmm. I like, yeah. And I even like, so just to, you know, just to, cause I, I, it, I was really just hired to write a business plan, but I knew in the back of my mind. <laughs> if you do a good job, if you, yeah. you've but got a foot in there. Like, but you know, at the same time I had a good job in the public service, you know, so mm-hmm. I, I took leave without pay. That was how mm-hmm. I sort of eased out. So I took, yeah. you know, so low risk. I mean, I, did you did you have kids at the time? Did you have I mean yep, responsibilities? Yep. So absolutely, married and had had you know have a family and you know, mm, my, you know mm. we're two like a lot of Cambrians we're a two income family so you know we don't, yes. we don't take huge risks yeah. um, with that and, you know but you had to be considered about this this sort of approach. Yeah. I yeah. couldn't just like you know we couldn't just sort of. You know, I could just, just dump it all and go. If it fails, it fails. If it succeeds, yeah, it succeeds, I'm not in, sort of thing. Unfortunately, I'm a bit older, so I'm not. <laughs> um, yeah, and that that sort of that worked out. And look, it was it was great. I was in the public service at a time when you know this is 2016. So and that's 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 a bit of a thing within the public service as well. Like mm-hmm. people who sort of they think have you know potential to to grow like into SES positions they encourage them that senior executive service positions and sort of encourage them to see the world a bit. So I think, right, okay. I think, yeah, I think part of it was like, you go out and do this stuff and then this will make you potentially more valuable to us when, when you come back. Right. Right. But the idea was that you would come back almost because you would sort of see that it's arguably easier to come back and have a steady paycheck and, and all that versus going out into I think the world. It's more around, like it's, it's more around career. It's, it's, and I see this a lot with people right. in public service who are trying to combine work that they do in the community or work that they do in the private sector with a public, a public service career. And right. I, think, I think the idea of a public service career as one, you know, 40 year stint, one department yes. that doesn't exist anymore. Anymore. So I think, yeah. you know, the ideal sort of public servant these days is someone who does have a bit of a portfolio in the sense that they go in and out. Okay. And I've never, like, I, we're now, you know, I've, I've been out now for almost four years, but I certainly, it's it's certainly something I would go back to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that, but, but I'm in a, in a slightly, you know, in a different position. In a different position, yeah. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Future Drive podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave a review on your favorite podcast app. It goes a long way to helping us. If you have any thoughts, questions, or comments, email us at hello at f-u-t-u-r-e-t-r-i dot b-e. If you haven't already, become a part of the tribe on Facebook. Go to f-u-t-u-r-e-t-r-i dot b-e slash f-b and invite your friends. We're just getting started and we would love to see you there. That's it from us. I hope this episode has empowered you to keep working on bettering your future. It's a pleasure to have you as part of the tribe. See you next time.